What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 10, our first episode of 2020. What up, 2020? <laughs> we have 2020 vision here. Oh my god. It's crazy, though, that like 2000, you know, Y2K, all of that was going on 20 years ago. Yeah, they're like, make sure you unplug your computer because everything's going to crash. Yeah, that's the thing is we were so dumb that like, I, I don't even, because there wasn't even really, the internet wasn't what it is now. Right. So, like, I don't know how rumors were circulating like that, but everybody thought the world was going to end. Well, I think it's because it was such a little baby. The internet was, yeah. like, crazy, crazy to some people, older people, the boomers have been. And then the younger people were just kind of trying to understand how everything worked. Right. I mean, it probably was like a propaganda thing to get people to stick to like brick and mortar and all that. That's a good point. Yeah. We love conspiracy theories here. Um, If you're tuning in for the first time, this is The Pits, Stories from the Depths. We usually just go by The Pits podcast, but... I'm happy if you are joining us for the first time, Um, although we do recommend possibly going back from the beginning. I think we've got some great stories. Essentially, what we do here is just talk about some notorious couples, talk about a couple lessons you can learn along the way, but mostly just some fun, interesting history to fill your little little brains. (laughs) Yeah, and Carolyn usually does the research, and then I am reacting to it in real time, just as you guys are, adding a little comic relief. Um, A little? I mean, I would say a lot. (laughs) Got all the comedy. (laughs) Yep, yep. I enjoy having a silly goose time. It's pretty much my favorite thing. (laughs) Well, and it is 8 o'clock, and we're pretty much chugging caffeine, because we both (laughs) fell asleep on the couch earlier. But good weekend um, overall. We have not recorded since 2019. So, took a little break for the holidays. Yeah. You know, give you guys a chance to catch up and whatnot. Um, If you do want to hear anything or have any comments, anything like that, please let us know. Um, We want to do what makes you guys happy. Yeah. So, um, Kind of some updates. Our goal for 2020 is to get on YouTube. So we're going to be sprucing up the studio. Johnsy got some great stuff for Christmas to do so. Thank you to everybody that helped with that. Yeah. Um, overall, we, I don't know, we just want to amp this up for you guys. We've gotten some great feedback and we appreciate each and every one of you that has um, shared us and, you know, let people know about the podcast. Thank you for everyone who's left us a review. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, and we want to like you know make this a community, right? And we can we can all help each other and hang out and share these stories. And um, you know, this could be a listener driven show where you know we want to take whatever topics you guys might suggest to talk about. And um, you know, I mean, this is an open ended show, so we're gonna keep going. We're gonna have to have. Yeah, you know, a million need, different things to talk about. So we need things to talk about. I mean, we could talk ourselves into a wall, just <laughs> us two. But we like doing what you guys like. So yeah. all the feedback about liking true crime or yeah. you know some spooky stuff has helped in the last couple episodes. But it's 2020, new decade. We're here for it. Yeah, man. All right, it really is crazy. Well, I know we're in the future now. You know, 2020 is big. We should have <laughs> flying cars, but. I just, 
I, I just want to take you down memory lane. Okay. To a beautiful time of the 1950s. And isn't there always just like when people are like, I wish I could go back to, it seems to always be the 50s. Like the war wars are over. Like, yeah. there's all this technology coming out. There's, you know, big hoop skirts. People, you know, the new shiny, like all the nice cars. It was a time of, of like innocence, I guess. And a lot of people look upon that time like nostalgically. Because yeah. it was like before. You know the Vietnam War, where the country was very split, but it was it was post World War Two, where we had just accomplished something great, and we'd already lost so much. Right. That everybody was like, you know what, we should come together. Yeah, I mean, there was still a lot of racial tension during yeah. the times. That's another thing. The fifties are only pleasant when you think about it if you come from white people. Right. Um, yeah, because no, that's it, definitely true. people who look different were not having that much fun in the fifties, so. But this is in the Midwest, United States, during the 50s, okay? okay? So, teleport your brains, people. Um, as beautiful as most things were, again, for, you know, middle-class white people, Midwesterners especially, like, nothing is really going on right. there. Uh, everything is peachy keen, as they would say back <laughs> then. Um, except when two extremely young people got together and ended up going on a murder spree that totaled 11 people in Nebraska and Wyoming between December 1957 and January 1958. So they were doing some murdering within a two month period. Um, It's just weird because it's like, you know, 57 to 58, but it's December, January. So, right. You know, it's yeah. It makes it seem like it's a year long, but it's not. Right. Um, so the couple in that we're going to be talking about um, is actually the subject matter of quite a few uh, media references. Like movies have been inspired by them. Songs have been inspired by them. So pretty interesting stuff. Their names are Charles Starkweather and Carol Ann Fugate. And this is when I immediately knew I wasn't going to like the girl. Her name's Carol, right? Yeah. Her name is spelled C A R I L. <laughs> I just spelled. I don't understand, and <clears throat> I don't think we. Sh- I can like talk too much because I've been. My name is Carolyn, right? And then I've gotten Carol, Karen, Caroline, just things that aren't. Caroline's pretty close. Uh, I've gotten everything, but you on the other hand. But I'm like, it's spelled like it sounds. John yeah, Z. people just want to do too much. <laughs> I mean, I, I think people just go, their mind just goes to what they know. That's right. all it is. Like, you, like John C with a C? Like, no. They, put, they say Jonathan. I mean, that's a whole extra <laughs> syllable. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, no fun. Um, so, yeah, the, Carol with a weird spelling. Um, C-A-R-I-L. Uh, we're going to first start talking about Charles Raymond, also went by Charlie Starkweather. Um, he was born November 24th, 1938 in Lincoln, Nebraska. He was the third of seven children. Um, his dad was Guy Starkweather and his mom was Helen Starkweather. Uh, the family would have been considered working class for the time, but very well respected. Um, his father was a nice, like mild manner carpenter, 
Um, but he had really bad rheumatoid arthritis. So from mm. time to time, he would have to go out of work because yeah. the pain was so bad. And so um, his mom would go and like part-time work it. Um, many people said that um, Guy Starkweather, his dad, was handsome and talkative. Um, he would have been much more suited for white collar type work, but right. you know he got he had the job that he had. Um, so yeah, when his father was out of work, his mom would waitress um, to supplement the income. And even though it was kind of the depression era, like they made it work. Right. They ne- like he wasn't. You know, we've talked about previous couples that are like living in like under wagons and like yeah, really bad. But they were in a house; they they never didn't have shelter, and they always made it work. So, I mean, pretty mi- middle class. Not the not the worst off, right? Um, and all the children in the town were considered to be well behaved. Um, and you know, even though they went through financial hardships, like you wouldn't be able to tell the kids went to school and were very. Well behaved. Nothing really seemed to be wrong with Charlie at a young age, um, except for the fact that he had to come over through some like obstacles, um, genetically and like mentally. Mm. Um, so he went to Saratoga Elementary School, Irving Junior High School, and Lincoln High School. Um, if you're from that area, I don't know if they're still around, but if he's an alumni member, <laughs> congratulations. Um, so I'm his, sure they're leaving that one off of the roster. <laughs> right. They're not putting him our up famous, in a trophy case. Our famous graduates <laughs> include. Chugging the caffeine. Well, it's like Theo Vaughn um, went to the same elementary school as, um, what's his name? The, the JFK guy. Oh, the guy that they say shot JFK? Yeah. Uh, God, why am I blanking on his name? Anyway, Lee Harvey Oswald. There you go. I was like, it'll come to you. (laughs) It always does. Yeah. There's a wonderful thing. Um, One of the few things I remember from psychology class, um, there is something called tip of the tongue phenomenon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's absolutely bonkers. But if you guys want to look that up. Well, it's also like if you're sitting there listening to something, like you'll know in your head. But right. if you're the one that's on the mic, you're always forgetting. Yeah. It's like the game we were playing <laughs> last night. When it's your turn to come up with stuff, it's always like you yeah. can't think of anything. All right. Beautiful tangent. Welcome to the Pits podcast <laughs> um, full of ADHD. Um, so those are the high schools, junior high school and elementary schools right. that he went to. Um, and even though his home life was relatively positive, like, there's no signs of abuse or anything like that. Yeah. Um, the same cannot be said for what happened when he went to school. Um, he was born with genu verum, which is a mild birth defect, causing his legs to be deformed. And it said that he walked bow-legged, which I can imagine is tough. Um, he also had a speech impediment that pretty much guaranteed daily bullying from his classmates. Um, and on top of that, he was considered to be a slow learner, like not, you know, mentally retarded, but right. just slow. Um, and the teacher complained that he didn't put much effort into school. Later, it was actually discovered that he suffered from severe myopia, which makes it impossible almost to see. It's like looking through straws. Dang, man. <laughs> he definitely, he definitely uh, caught the short end of the stick Right? There. I know. Like, all that stuff's unrelated, too, I feel like. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, there's no telling, and um, none of his siblings or anything had it, so it's kind of tough, especially when your dad is supposed yeah. to be like, good-looking and right. really nice. Um, so the one class that he actually excelled in was gym. Um, he was actually, even given his physical disability, he found himself to be strong and athletic, um, and when he... Like, he would basically spend all his time there. So, yeah. the more time he spent in there, the stronger you get. Um, and he used that time as an outlet to get out some of the rage that he was experiencing from being bullied. Right. Which is understandable. Um, unfortunately for the bullies, this meant that he got swole. Like, yeah. he got huge. And then he started bullying the people that bullied him. He's coming for him. Yeah. Um, so, it started as he would just go after the people that bullied him and then it turned into anyone that would provoke him quote unquote would he would beat up he was letting it go to his head yeah so anybody that pissed him off he would just fight them right um so not good not good uh not good anger management yeah when you're walking around with a chip on your shoulder right um he quickly went from being one of the most well-behaved students to one of the worst um, an author that wrote a book, it's called Starkweather, his name is William Allen, said that he blamed all of his fights on being made fun of as a child. Sometimes his battles were brief outbursts of violence, but other times they were frenzied and prolonged, not ending until they were broken up or his oppo- opponent lay senseless. He earned a reputation for being one of the meanest, toughest kids in Lincoln. Okay. So. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a pretty good, um... That's a pretty good formula for that. Mm-hmm. You know, him just being born with disabilities right. and having that chip already and then getting bullied into it and then having an outlet to get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it created a monster. Sounds like a supervillain origin story. There you go. Um, so people in the community also went from seeing him as being like a good kid from a good family and very hardworking right. to someone who is very troubled and disruptive. Um, when he was in ninth grade, Charlie met, um, really his only, I think, friend. His name was Bob Von Bush. And they actually became friends after fighting one another, which reminded me a lot of you and all your friends. Bob Von Bush sounds so made up. <laughs> sounds like an imaginary friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, this guy I was interviewed. There's a, there's a good quote from him, but. Yeah, I don't. That's one thing I don't understand. People are like, "Oh, like boys, especially." Like, I'm just gonna punch you, and it's like we're best friends now. Yeah, well, I think I don't. That is a weird thing of like we just get get that out and get it out of the way. I mean, sometimes I wish that I could do the same things, but you know, we're supposed to be ladylike and use our words. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but if you, can... you couldn't tell us sisters that, but any like friend <laughs> fights were not encouraged but if you can attach it to a physical pain it's kind of like you can process it easier that's true i mean that makes sense yeah um so yeah they went from like punching each other to both really liking a certain movie star named james dean together so again it's the 50s um they were both like big james dean's fanatics um and they would do a lot of things, including dressing like him or and like trying to imitate him. Um, and Bob would later say that he could be the kindest person you've ever seen. He'd do anything for you if you like, if he liked you. 
He was a hell of a lot of fun to be around, too. Everything was just one big joke to him, but he had his other side. He could be mean as hell, cruel. If he saw some poor guy on the street who was bigger than he was, better looking or better dressed, he'd try to take the poor bastard down to his size. Well, damn. So, yeah. Hot and cold with this one. Yeah, it seems like he's got some issues, but yeah. bipolar perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. Psychologist. Right. Or psychiatrist or whatever. <laughs> whatever he would is. need. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have gotten the help he really needed back then anyways. Yeah, mental health it was definitely yeah, no. not the forefront. Right. Um. So one day, uh, Charlie and Bob went to go see Rebel Without a Cause starring James Dean. And this was the movie that really began Charlie's fascination and what some people may call obsession with the actor, um, and particularly the character he plays in that movie. Okay. So, Charlie was a redhead, which I'm also like, just add to the things you get picked <laughs> on for. That poor kid, jeez. <laughs> Throw ginger on top of all of that. Poor um, So, he would take shoe polish to make his hair darker. Oh, and then, <laughs> that's really kind of sad. I mean, it worked. Yeah. I saw pictures of me. It looks like. No. Uh, yeah, and then he would like style it like James Dean and wear leather jackets and cowboy boots and right. like rimless, frameless, whatever, glasses, stuff like that. Um, so he believed that he found a kindred spirit in that character um, because it was also someone who'd suffered torment like his own. Um, and was someone that he could admire. Um, he developed what could be considered a severe inferiority complex and became very self-loathing and devoid of what most people consider morals. Um, and he was basically, if I can't do anything right, then I'm just going to be bad. Like, if everyone keeps telling me that, like, I'm a bad kid, but it's because I've come through, like, really bad circumstances if they can't see that then i'm just gonna be a bad kid i've i've um been in that sim- similar like frame of mind of yeah. like it seemed it'd be a lot easier just to live that expectation that people have for you right and yeah it's a lot it's a lot harder to live the right kind of life and um and have goals and expectations for yourself it's a lot easier just to be a, a piece of crap yeah and he was like, I'm never going to be, like, James Dean famous, and I'm never right. going to be wealthy. Like, I'm going to be stuck in a circle of poverty, and, like, there's nothing I can really do about it. It's pretty bleak. Yeah. It's, I mean, for his age, too, um, at that time, like, when he saw the movie, he was, like, 17, 18. Right. So, pretty, um, you know, depressive thoughts during that time so yeah, your mind takes over at that age too yeah um god yeah it's a crazy time thinking back i don't know how anyone makes it out of those <laughs> I mean, those you're just insane years. your body your body <laughs> chemically is just going through so much you have no idea right um so in 1956 the he was 18 um 18 year old starkweather was introduced to 13 year old carol ann fugate through her, through her older sister, whom his friend Bob was like kind of dating, and who he actually previously dated. If that's not creepy, then I don't okay, know. Okay, so, so this is his girlfriend now that Bob Van Bush is dating <laughs> now. 
That was his ex. So Bob Van Bush is getting sloppy seconds. Yeah. Okay. Of older sister. And so now he's like. Because, yeah, she was. The older sister is like their age. And then he met Carol and Fugate, who's 13. I can't believe this is real. Five years. <laughs> I know. I know. Five years apart. Um, I mean, when you say it like that, when you say five years apart, it doesn't sound that bad. But 18 and 13 is a big, it's a big difference. difference. Yeah. Um, especially because, oh my god, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but she also wasn't particularly sharp, so it makes it kind of weird. Um, but yeah, yeah, when they got, when they met each other, they were immediately like, I love you, like, oh, that's so weird. Um, but maybe cognitively they were on the same level. Maybe. But that's the thing is he was never dumb. Like yeah. he was slow at school and didn't want to perform because right. he had. I mean, he had disabilities that made it hard. But he was never like dumb. Yeah, but you think he was like emotionally stunted? Like, I don't think he's like immature. I still eighteen I don't, and thirteen. Yeah, though. I'm sorry. I there. I don't think there's any excuse for this age yeah. difference. And like, look, I'm just trying to wrap my head around like, why are they even attracted to each other at all? Well, I mean, full honesty, you know, my dating past. I've dated somebody with that age difference, and it's not. I'm older now, and I'm here to. There's no excuse. But still, there's but, no like. Maybe she was mature for her age. Like, there's. Ugh. But thirteen but years old s- is. 18, being 17, 18 is just a lot different than being 13. Even yeah. if you're 17, 18 dating somebody who's five years older, right. it's a lot different than dating somebody who's five years I older. I mean, biologically and chemically, that yeah. shouldn't be happening. Right. It's gross. You're still uh, a child, really, at 13. Yeah. So, and shame on her sister. Like, yeah. this is not something. But, yeah, the four of them would go on double dates frequently, despite her being so young. Um, she was considered to be a pretty girl. She had dark brown hair and a good smile. Um, she was also considered to be troubled and rebellious. Like she was living with her dad and stepmom and her older sister, and they did have a stepsister, which you'll find out later. Okay. Um, not good things happening. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. So, even though she was not very bright, um, she actually failed a year in elementary school. Um, Charlie acted as if she was a goddess, like, super intelligent, beautiful, which, again, like, to act, for someone who's so much younger, uh, it, it creeps me out. That is weird. Yeah. Yeah, especially if she was held back, so she was probably still, like, in elementary school. Yeah. It says she was going to the junior high school because... Okay. He literally like, gets a job so he can be next to the junior high school. It's so gross. Okay. Um, All right. William Allen, the author I talked about earlier of Starkweather, um, said that she was impressed by his cars, his toughness, his looks, and despite his poverty, the way he could give her almost anything she wanted. Charlie said that Carol meant more to him than anything had before. Without her, he would be thrust back into the world he hated so much. Carol almost even made him stop hating himself. He saw himself as reflected in her eyes, and he looked good. Okay. I know, and it's like... That's it's a this... lot to emotionally put on somebody a who's 13-year-old. Yeah, that's a lot. To be like, oh, um, by the way, uh, you're making me not kill myself right I now. I know, but not even that. It's just, that's... 
I don't know. And that's the thing is his mom was always in the picture. Right. And he was thir- a third of seven siblings. So it's not like he couldn't give these feelings like care. I don't know if it's like what hole was not being filled at home, but. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just not enough to go around. That's true. That's a good point, too. The seven kids is a lot, especially if the mom's having to work. Yeah, that's true. And the dad's in pain. Yeah. Ugh, but it's crazy. I don't know. But I it's get it, like, when you're younger, I'm not saying you're 13 young, um, those types of things, you know, James Dean looking boys to yeah. anybody would have, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, dude. I'm sure he was looking real attractive <laughs> with that shoe polish and his hair and them bow legs. <laughs> oh my god. And a I speech mean, impediment. Speaking of personal experience when you're young and stupid, you're not thinking like, oh, why don't any girls his age find him to be attractive? Yeah. You're just like, oh, this older person thinks I'm attractive, which is yeah. a discussion for another day, but it's not a good situation. He's like, spending all his time in the gym yeah. And watching James Dean movies. It's so weird. I know I I haven't actually seen any of the movies that this story is about. Yeah. Um I have heard the song. Um it's called Nebraska, but hmm. never really put the two and two together. Um so he ended up dropping out of high school his senior year and started working at the Western Union newspaper warehouse. And the biggest reason he wanted to work there, like I said, is because it was next to the junior high school where his 13-year-old girlfriend, Carol, went to school. Jeez. I can't even. He's, like, working. I can't even. He's working, like, a full-time job, like, as an adult (laughs) so he can, like, creep on his middle school girlfriend. It's really weird. It's really weird. I know. Um, so, yeah, by him working there, he was able to see her every day after school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after middle school. Um, and you go walk her across the street? I hold have her hand. no idea. I'd hope. Oh, God. She's the line leader. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you. If you can hear me clap, you should be silent. She's doing the thing where she puts, you know, one <laughs> finger on her mouth and one in the air. Jeez. Um, so when he was at work, he really struggled. Um, his boss later said that sometimes you'd have to tell him something two or three times. Of all the employees in the warehouse, he was the dumbest man we had. <laughs> so. Nice. Yep, yep. Um, he actually would go on to teach her how to drive because, again, she's a child. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one day they went out to, he was going to teach her how to drive, but obviously he wasn't doing a great job because she crashed the 1949 Ford into another car. <laughs> and because his dad was the legal owner of the car, his dad had to pay for the damages. Oh, snap. And that didn't go well. One, because of the cost. Like, again, they're working, or yeah, middle class hard they're work, not, they're, lower middle class hard work. They're not, they're, it's not like they just have a bag ready to go. Right. Um, so that caused a fight. And then when he found out that he was with somebody that young, they got into like a physical altercation, oh, wow. which 
I can understand if that was my son. Like, hey, shout out to uh, what's her last name? Uh, Guy Starkweather was the dad's name. Yeah, shout out to shout out to Mr. Starkweather. <laughs> you know, he's really uh, he's keeping his son accountable. Yeah. Well, he said, "I'm not going to condone this behavior," and actually kicked him out of the house. Nice. I mean, it's tough, and may have gone on to create a serial killer, but yeah, you know, firm hand. In that situation, there's no, I think he realized, like, there's no way I'm going to talk him out of this. Whatever decision he's made, like, he's not seeing why. And, again, I understand. I didn't see at 16 why it was not okay to date a 22-year-old. Well, and you've got other kids in the house that you need to protect, a wife that you need to protect, too. So, I mean, that's how it goes. That's just the way it is. You guys yeah. didn't know you're gonna get some <laughs> some sweet music this episode, but there you go. But you gotta look out for the other siblings too. I mean, he's got four siblings that are younger than him. Yeah, and I think that's probably where the physicality came out because yeah. I don't know the genders of the other ones, but if my grown son was be- attracted to thirteen year olds, especially this is the mid fifties. Right, like you're walking around wearing tight pants and like leather jackets and cowboy boots. James Dean was like a movie star to kids, but for parents that grew up in like the 1900s, yeah. probably not right. a super, you know, he wasn't, I guess, I don't know. I don't, I always would think, type. yeah, I would always think everyone loved James Dean, but parents See, never I, do. I think that like he portrayed like that outlaw type, but he was really like a, like kind of a preppy boy. Yeah. 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 In real life. But yeah, I would be I would be concerned if he's dating a thirteen year old and then there's another thirteen year old daughter in the house. Like right. I would be like, dude, what's going on with yeah. you? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Or, or with her friends coming over or whatever. Right. Like, it's just something. I, you know, I have to have that conversation. That's probably what led to an escalation in things. Yeah. And then once it gets to that point, like, yeah, dude, you're on your own. You're making your own money. You already dropped out of high school. Like, you gotta do your own thing. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Um, so Charlie then decided that he was going to quit his job in the warehouse to begin working as a garbage collector for minimum wage. Nice. Um, the job change along with him being removed from his family, uh, began a very dark mental spiral. Um, he began to develop a nihilistic worldview. So basically he didn't believe his life had any purpose or value and people who are, nihilists just believe that nothing happens for a reason essentially everybody you know suffers and it is what it is like there's no purpose to it right um he believed that what he currently was going through was going to be an indicator of the rest of his life and that living in pain and poverty were just the cards that he was dealt um he began using his trash collecting route as planning sessions to rob banks um, and he decided then and there, and I guess he was quoted as saying this, you know, when he later was apprehended, um, that dead people are all on the same level. So, hmm. yeah. And he, Very dramatic. <laughs> uh, he was determined that he would live a life of crime in order to try to overcome the poverty that he actually went through. Um, the first murder that happened was actually because he was trying to get a stuffed animal for his, you know, child girlfriend. (laughs) 
Um, I'm not kidding. That's really what happened. He went to go buy a stuffed do- uh, toy dog, actually, um, from a gas station and realized that he didn't have enough money for it. So the gas station attendant was like, I can't give it to you on credit. And um, that didn't go over super well. So it was a super cold evening. And it was like, it was 3 a.m. almost. So there wasn't lots of people around. So Starkweather went back in with a 12-gauge shotgun that he had gotten from Bob Von Bush's cousin. Um, And the shells that he had recently bought for it. um, And murdered the guy. So... um, Seems like a great reason. It wasn't... I guess it wasn't exactly the same day. Like, he had tried to buy it and then went to go get the shotgun and then came back. Okay. And shot him. Um, His name was Robert Culver, and he was on duty at the station by himself. He had a young wife and a baby on the way when he was murdered. So, really sad. Um... But yeah, I'm sure that he felt like, I guess, emasculated in that way. Exactly. Yeah, he He's was romanticizing everything. Yeah. Obviously, when he was there, like originally, I guess people were also in there, and he yeah. got you know embarrassed yeah. that he didn't have enough money, um, and so it. Some reports, I guess, the investigation they later did, um, he was working on a carburetor when Charlie came back into the gas station um, he sold him a pack of camel cigarettes and then Charlie actually did drive off again um, and then a few minutes later Charlie turned the car around and went back um, Culver was still behind the counter this time Charlie bought a pack of gum got into his car and then drove by again or drove off again it's weird I don't know He's I don't know the courage yeah, to do it that's what I would think too um, and he was talking himself out of it. Right. Or maybe just like really checking that nobody else was working yeah. or I don't know. Um, so he parked close by and put on a bandana tied over much of his face and a hunter's hat to cover his red hair. And then he went in with a loaded shotgun and then asked for money from the guy. Yeah. Um, Culver was on like working on the car and didn't even notice that anybody was there until Charlie shoved the shotgun into his back um, and made him open the cash drawer. So he gets the money, puts it in a bag, and then the guy was like, I can't because only the boss knows the combination. Safe. Right. So all I could get was which was out of the register, which was only $100. Um, so Charlie takes him and makes the guy drive Towards this old lady's house called Bloody Mary. Um, okay. Bloody Mary was considered a crazy old woman and would fire a shotgun full of rock salt at anybody who trespassed on her property. Wow. So <laughs> he made. Gangster. Yeah, he made Culver drive out there um, and then get out of the car. <laughs> he was going to use Bloody Mary to kill. <laughs> to do his hit for him, to do his dirty work. I Come don't know. On, I don't know why. But uh, Charlie <laughs> later said that him and Colbert struggled um, for the gun and that Colbert was shot in the scuffle. 
But when Culver tried to get up, Charlie shot him right in the head, right in the skull. Wow. All so, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just no hesitation. Yeah, there wasn't like a huge fight to like, figure out who did it because they just thought it was miscreants or vandals or whatever. Right. Oh, excuse me. Um, the newspapers, because it was kind of a gruesome murder, did talk about it a little bit. Um, and Starkweather actually went ahead and took the precaution of painting his car a different color. Um, but just even though he did that, he did a lot of other stupid things to draw attention to himself. Um, it was said that most of the money that was stolen was in coins. Um, <laughs> so yeah, hundred dollars in coins. Um, <laughs> this just gets more and more embarrassing, right? Um, so Charlie used the change to buy some clothing for himself, and then, like, other than that, held on to the money so that there wouldn't be a lot of coin. I don't know. This is old school robbery. Um, and because most people considered that a transient had done it, Charlie was pretty much off the hook, and this feeling of not being caught gave him, like, this euphoric sensation of, there's no way that I could be caught. Right. Um, he's already having grandiose ideas and romanticizing everything in his life. Right. So it's not literally the worst thing that could happen for him. Yeah. 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 It's like if you're already at the bottom, you've got nowhere else to go. Right. Kind of feeling. Which is scary for an 18 year old yeah. male. Um, all right. So after he robbed the gas station and murdered Robert Colbert, Colbert, I don't know. Maybe it's French. Actually believed that, um, this killing had transcended his former former self and that he was on a new plane of existence was quote outside the law and could commit any crime without guilt or fear of repercussion yeah that's um that sounds i'm like, like you got away with one murder dude and took it out to bloody mary's house for that she could take the rap it sounds like the new blockbuster film <laughs> the joker <laughs> like yeah for real, I, that doesn't sound like a very healthy um, train of thought at all. Yeah, nothing about this is healthy. Yeah. You've got Cradle Robin and murder. Skin. It's just, it is just kicking off, too. He's letting his mind just wander, obviously. Yeah, I would, There's I think a, a psychiatrist would have a field day right. with this one. Um, so on January 21st, 1958, Starkweather went to Carol Fugate's home to go get his girlfriend. And Fugate's mother and stepfather, Velda and Marion Bartlett, told him to stay away. And he fatally shot them. Okay. Yeah. Then he... That's one way to deal with um, your girlfriend's parents. Yeah. So, <laughs> remember the stepsister? Yes. So, I guess I got it wrong. It was her mother and stepfather, not father and stepmother. Okay. But 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 the sister is his ex slash uh, yeah, it's Bob, a, Bob Van Bush's girlfriend. No. No. Her actual blood sister is, yes. Yes. Bob Van Bush's girlfriend. Okay. But then they also had a stepsister. Okay. Um, she was two years old. And her name was Betty Jean. Um, so he had, yeah, basically picked her up, strangled her, and then stabbed her to death. What? How old was she? Two years old. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah. Um, and then he went and hid their bodies behind the house. Um, Jeez. Yeah. Starkweather later testified that Carol was actually there the entire time. Um, but she said that when she arrived home, he met her at the door with a gun and said her whole family was being held hostage. Um, she said that Starkweather told her that if she cooperated with him, her family would be safe. Otherwise, they would be killed. Um, and they basically stayed in the house for approximately six days. Oh my God. Um, before Fugate's grandmother became suspicious and on January 27th said that they were going to call the cops. So they fled and drove to the farmhouse of one of the family's friends who lived in Bennett, Nebraska. Her name was August Meyer. She was 70 years old. Um, Starkweather killed the, I guess, like family's. So Starkweather killed him with a shotgun. Okay. So maybe August Meyer was a guy. Okay. Yeah, that I messed up my nose. But Starkweather killed him with a shotgun blast to the head and also killed their dog. Oh my gosh, this guy's ruthless. Like I know. he's not taking it's really any bad. prisoners at all. Made me so sad. Jeez. Um so when they left that area because they were obviously afraid that it was gonna get too hot because it was a family friend. Um, they murdered. Yeah. Yeah. They just, well, it was her, Carol's family friend. Yeah. And they got murdered. Um, yeah, it just says Fugate's family friend. But it's sad. Um, so they actually ended up getting their car stuck into the mud when they were fleeing. And when Robert Jensen and Carol King... Two local teenagers stopped to give them a ride. Um, Starkweather basically forced them to drive back to an abandoned storm cellar in Bennett. Um, he shot Jensen in the back of the head. Um, he, I, there's different reports on this. One said that he attempted to rape Carol King, but was unable to do so, um, which like made him angry. And he shot her also. Um, But some people, there are some reports that she was like brutally raped. So, well, I mean, either way, it's not good. Yeah, it's not good at all. And he's not stopping either. And like, obviously, he's just, there's nothing holding him back. And he's just doing whatever impulse is coming to (laughs) mind, which is very dangerous. Yeah. And so Starkweather later admitted that, yes, like I did shoot the boy, but that. Carol actually shot King in the head. There's two Carols. Yeah. Carol spelled normally, and then Carol. Carol Fugate. Yeah. So she, like her, he claimed that Fugate shot King, um, but Fugate was like, "No, I was in the car the entire time." But we'll guess we'll never know. Um, and then they fled in the murdered couple's car. Um. They ended up driving to a wealthy section of Lincoln where they ended up going into the home of a very wealthy couple, um, C. Lauer Ward and his wife, Clara. Starkweather stabbed their maid, Lillian Finchie, to death and waited for the couple to come home. Um, Starkweather killed the family dog by breaking its neck to keep it from alerting the wards. 
Um, this guy is evil. Yeah. The wife arrived. Clara arrived um, home first, and she was by herself. Um, she was stabbed to death. And then Starkweather later admitted to having thrown a knife at Clara. I'm like, what are you, a ninja? You think you got like knife throwing skills all of a sudden? You're a pretty amateur. Like you're using a shotgun to kill. Why people. is that detail even? I don't relevant? know. I don't know. Some people want to seem super cool. Yeah, I guess. Um, but he said that Fugate stabbed her numerous times, which is what actually killed her. Um, when the husband returned home that evening, um. Starkweather shot and killed him, I'm guessing because he couldn't fight. The right. guy was probably bigger. Um, they took the couple's 1956 Packard, dumb idea, um, with stolen jewelry from the house and fled to get out of Nebraska, all in all. Um, so that was a nice car. 1956 Packard at that time was a nice car. Yeah. Um, it's 1958, so it's relatively new. Um, and then also the amount of stuff that was stolen definitely got the attention of the authorities. Um, and there was a huge uproar within uh, Lancaster County, which is the, where, where it was in Nebraska. Um, law enforcement started sending officers house to house to search for people that could be hiding. Um, Governor Victor Emanuel Anderson contacted the Nebraska National Guard. So... They killed the wrong people. Yeah, and the Lincoln chief of police called for a block-by-block search of the city. Um, After several sightings of them were reported, obviously in the car still, dumb, Um, the actual Lincoln Police Department got criticized because it can't be that tough, essentially, to catch these people. Right. Um, So they needed a new car. Because obviously that one was very hot. Um, they came upon a traveling salesman named Merle Collision sleeping in his Buick along the highway outside Douglas, Wyoming. Um, and he woke up and was fatally shot, which has got to be the worst wake up way to wake up. Um, he, Starkweather later said that Carol, performed like the final kill shot because his shotgun had jammed and he later actually said carol was quote the most trigger happy person he had ever met um even though fugate denied having ever killed anybody and this is where i'm like literally this could be like a comic strip because everything that keeps not going well like you should just quit being a criminal because you're not very good at the salesman car had a parking brake, which was something new to Starkweather. He'd never seen a parking <laughs> brake before. So he attempted to drive away, but the car stalled because the brake had not been released. Right. Um, he tried to get the engine to restart, but failed. And a passing motorist stopped by to help. Like, all these poor good Samaritans. Um, Starkweather threatened to kill him with the rifle, and a fight broke out. Um, at that time, a deputy sheriff actually arrives on the scene. Wow. Um, and Carol gets out of the car yelling, basically, he, it's dark weather, he's going to kill me. 
<laughs> she's, you know, she's playing she, that card. Oh, she's a little manipulative little girl, huh? She's she's really ride or die, you know. She's, she's but Bonnie would was doing that. Bonnie too, saying, was a real ride or die. Well, but Bonnie was also saying she wasn't pulling triggers when she was. Well, she couldn't have said anything because she yeah, got just killed her. murdered. Yeah, it's the public that was like. What was her part in it? Right. But it's pretty widely assumed she killed people too. And yeah. there are reports of her killing people. But yeah, she was very uh <laughs> not down. Right. I'll say that much. Um so he ends up driving off to try to evade the police and ended up getting um over speeds of a hundred miles an hour, which is a lot for cars back then. Right. Um, a bullet shattered the windshield and flying glass cut him deep enough to cause bleeding. Which I'm like, okay, that could be nothing. Yeah. But it's pretty he, easy to cause bleeding with shards of glass. Yeah. No, listen to this. Again, this is no body and clyde. He stopped and surrendered <laughs> because the Converse County Sheriff said or his name's Earl Heflin. Said he thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow son of a bitch he is. <laughs> no, no, I'm bleeding. I'm like, dude, have you not seen enough people bleed to death? All the people you stabbed? Yeah, they were like, oh, Carol's running to them. Like, oh my God, help me. And then he's like, I'm bleeding. <laughs> the biggest like, dude, baby criminals ever in the history of criminals. You watch people bleed out like you would think you're doing the same thing. Yeah, and killing people with shotguns. That's yeah. so gruesome. We stabbed a couple people, right? Yeah. Supposedly. Supposedly they both did. Well, I'm willing to bet that he's more of the trigger man and she's more of the stabby stabby. <laughs> she's stabby happy. Yeah. Uh, ugh, gross. Okay, so they both are in they both are in police custody, essentially. So Starkweather chooses to be extradited. From Wyoming to Nebraska. I mean, they're not like, huge differences. They do have the death penalty. They're just different. One was the electric chair. And I forget what the other state had. Maybe hanging. Yeah, they probably didn't have lethal injection at that point. Huh? I don't think so. Um, But yeah, it was basically one, which of the two do you want? Right. Because um, he knew he was going to get put to death. Right. Kind of make me really mad. Oh well, great research here. Maybe able to find it for the show notes. <laughs> um, so he knew that either state would have executed him, um, but he was actually not aware that Wyoming's governor at the time opposed the death penalty. Yeah. So maybe if he would have stayed in Wyoming, he would have not been put to death. Right, but um. Starkweather initially stated that he did kidnap Carol Fugate and that she had nothing to do with the murders, but he kept changing his story several times, and at her trial, he said that she was a willing participant. She has always maintained that he was holding her hostage by threatening to kill her family, claiming she was unaware that they were already dead. Um, The judge, Harry Spencer, did not believe her, um, and he said that she would have had multiple opportunities to escape yeah. if she really would have been held hostage. Um, and also they found evidence that like, she couldn't have been telling the truth. Cause one of the things is when she first, you know, was running away, she was being held obviously. 
And she was like, I just want to call my parents. I just want to go home. And so they were like, she obviously doesn't know her parents are dead. Right. So like she couldn't have been there. But then the sheriff that was in charge of that department found like clippings of the things about her parents' murders in her pockets. So like she would have known. She was with him for six days. Like. Yeah. And. She could put two, what's he doing? Keeping him in the other room for six days. Right. And that's, yeah, that's so and true. And he was inside killing people yeah. when she was saying that he was doing it inside and she was in the car. Why wouldn't she just leave from the car? Yeah. There's a lot of holes. Right. Um, so, yeah, no one really believed that she was um, kidnapped, essentially. Um, and then Starkweather, when he was first taken to Nebraska after he was, like, on trial... He said that he was, he believed that he was supposed to die, uh, and said that if he was to be executed, then so should Fugate because of what they did together. Right. Um, Starkweather was convicted for the murder of Jensen. Um, that was like the only murder that he was actually tried for. Jensen was the couple when he raped Carol King. That was the boyfriend. Um, so he was sentenced to death based on that and executed by the electric chair at the Nebraska State Penitentiary in Lincoln, Nebraska at 12.04 a.m. on June 25th, 1959. Uh, he is actually buried in Wyuka Cemetery in Lincoln along with five of his victims, including Mr. and Mrs. Carol Ward, which I don't think should be allowed. Well, they got, uh, they got it done super quickly, though. I mean, I mean nowadays true. people sit on death row for like 30 years. I know. Like, I don't get that at all. Based on the type of murders these were and where they are. I mean, yeah. out west, they're... They took care of business yeah. quick. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing, though, is they should do that. Like, if he's already convicted... I mean, I guess, like, go through the appeal process. That's what that's yeah. what always keeps it for a long time. So they appeal. But if they're not appealing or anything, just go ahead and do it. Like, why... Sit- Make them basically serve a life sentence. Yeah. Before you're going to go ahead and kill them anyway. Yeah. Um, so, Carol Ann Fugate is actually the youngest female in United States history to date to have been tried for first degree murder. Um, okay. Yeah. I think, because uh, there have been a couple of child killings probably since this these books have been written because right. that the kid the slender man thing yeah i'm sure that was first degree murder so i'm sure it's changed in the books but at the time she definitely was um she was convicted as an accomplice and received a life sentence on november 21st 1958 she was paroled in june 1976 after serving 17 and a half years at the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women in York, Nebraska. She actually ended up moving to Lansing, Michigan and changed her name um, and worked as a janitor at a Lansing hospital. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know how that worked, but um, she actually did end up getting remarried. She okay. married Frederick Clare in 2007 um, and apart from a radio interview in 1996, she has refused to speak about the murder spree. Um, this is weird, okay? So she was living in Stryker, Ohio, when she was seriously injured 
and her husband was killed in a car crash on August 5th, 2013. Really weird. Uh-huh. Hmm. So, could be an accident, or... Karma. Karma, or something. Yeah. You know, maybe Foul. she wanted him dead. Yeah. Um, okay, so... The uh, references that I mentioned earlier... Um, the Starkweather Fugate case inspired the films The Sadist in 1963, Badlands in 1973, California with a K in 1993, Natural Born Killers That's in what I was thinking of, 1994, and Starkweather 2004. I had heard of Natural Born Killers, yeah. but I never had actually seen it. But they made him more of like, they're like 25 and like 18. Yeah. Oh. They had to make it palatable. Right. So. It's Woody Harrelson that's in it. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's okay. shot really cool, too. Like, We're going to have to watch it now. It's a good one. It's on HBO. On demand. Um, gosh, I'm doing so well. You are doing well, babe. <laughs> doing wonderfully. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, okay, Bruce Springsteen's 1982 song Nebraska okay. um, is a first-person narrative, apparently, about the Starkweather murders, huh. which I found really interesting because I'd heard that song. Um, and then there's also a 1996 Peter Jackson film called The Frighteners, which is, like, huh. eerily similar to this story. Right. Um, there's... A Criminal Minds episode, which has come up before. But, yeah, overall, weird. Just yeah. a weird, very codependent... Um, Young people letting their minds wander and... And not, this will be the third time I've said it, but romanticizing things. Right. Especially at a young age and... You know, romanticizing death and right. murder, right, and all of that, and and just getting positive results from committing these violent acts, right. I mean, I'm not saying like it's a good thing that he's doing. I'm saying like he's getting away with it. He's getting um, an, a better uh, sense of self worth, right, um, from beating up people and all of that. So I think that that all fuels. His anger and what's driving him to commit these acts. Yeah, I agree. Uh, also, if we ever do, you know, take this show on the road, there's a lovely thing I found called field trips. If you take exit 151 on Interstate 25, 10 miles west of Douglas, Wyoming, leads to the road to Ayers Natural Bridge and is near the turnoff from the old U.S. Route 2026 where a moral collision was murdered and the police first caught up with Starkweather and Fugate. Oh. Starkweather fled east from there. Um, so, yeah, if you want to go, you know, recreate that, <laughs> in a, you can do that. Um, but, yeah, that's our first episode of 2020. Word. Getting real, uh, getting real weird. Some true crime. Yeah. Some bad guys. It's an interesting one. <sighs> so many issues. Yeah, we want to do. I want to do a live episode sometime. That'd be cool. I think so too. Bring those on the road. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of live performances, this will be coming out on Monday. So next Monday, week from today, I will be at the Laughing Skull again, doing stand-up comedy. So it's the Laughing Skull in Midtown. Um, 
It is in the back of uh, the Vortex Lounge. So, yeah, come check that out. It's right before my birthday, so yeah. you can come early celebrate with us. Yeah. Should be pretty fun. It's it, It'll be a bunch of good comedians on the on the lineup. Um, if you came out last time, I appreciate you guys. Uh, you're off the hook. Um, so if you Or you can come for round two. Right. It's all new jokes. Yeah, it'll be all new jokes, all new material um, that I'm working on that I, that I enjoy. So um, come on out, man. Get a laugh. For sure. Yeah, and continue to like, share, subscribe, follow, all that stuff. Um, we have a Facebook page now, so you can share us that way. You know, tell people about us. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Soundcast, Stitcher, so many options. All that. All that. So, thank you guys. I hope you are having a wonderful start to your 2020 We are going to be having some great content for you this year and hope to continue to grow with you and get spooky and weird together. Yes. (laughs) All right. Stay blessed, y'all. Y'all deserve it. Bye. Peace.